how many times when my brother or sister sins against me, will I forgive them, asks Peter. Peter is starting to catch on that Jesus is into this whole forgiveness concept. This is the first couple weeks of the school year, and I think for many, uh, we remember that in September, uh, when you started a class, in the first couple weeks, you start to figure out what your teacher's kind of quirk was, you know, that thing that they just kind of obsessed over, right? Like, one year I got back my first essay in English class, and the teacher had circled every single comma that was out of place, and I said, okay, this teacher really cares about commas, right? Or maybe at a new job, you start to say, wow, like this, this boss or this teammate, like they just are obsessed with this. And so Peter, it's starting to kind of connect like, ah, like Jesus is really big on this whole forgiveness and reconciliation bit. So he wants to show, though, that he's a good student. So he says, Jesus, you know, when, whenever somebody sins against me, I know that I'm not supposed to just forgive them once, not even twice. We're supposed to give them seven times, right? Like, he's, he's ready. Like, pick me, teacher. I've got the right answer. I, I, I got it. And Jesus is like, no, not seven. How about seven times 70? And you can kind of see Peter like, what? Really? So Jesus, seeing Peter's forlorn face, then begins to tell a story. A great sort of hyperbolic, exaggerated story about a, a servant who has a nearly infinite amount of debt, like six billion, you know, to somebody who's just a, a peasant fisherman, just inconceivable amounts of money that is forgiven as the, the Lord has compassion. And then this, this servant, rather than extend this grace and generosity to others, just decides that he's going to go basically strangle somebody who owes him chump change in, in comparison. And the, the point is, seems pretty clear. God forgave us a whole lot, more than we can even comprehend, and so we should readily then forgive other people. And even there are consequences when we don't. So for us as Christians, I think we, we all know the basic gist of it, that we heard Sunday after Sunday for years, some of you for decades, we are called to forgive others as Jesus has forgiven us. In fact, this is what we pray every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. So I think most of us kind of go to church on Sunday, kind of, okay, I'm forgiven, and want to be forgiving, and then we show up on Monday and... Uh, suddenly forgiveness doesn't look so good, right? And I, I mean, I want to be forgiving, but that person's a jerk, right? I, I want to be forgiving, but they've done the same thing repeatedly now for four years. This fall, we're, again, we're thinking about that Sunday to Monday gap, and I think forgiveness is sort of ground zero for that because, again, it's so easy for us in church to talk about forgiveness but really actually forgiving other people is a whole lot messier and, and more complicated and often incomplete for us as humans. Yet we have this command as well as this inspiration to forgive others. And so today with you, I'd, I'd like to sort of think about um, three, three ways or three sort of modes of forgiveness. Because when we say, I forgive you, I think that actually means different things in different situations. And I want to think about sort of a couple different modes or sort of ways we forgive somebody and what the challenge is and where, and where that gap is going to come between Sunday and Monday. So sometimes when we forgive people, we say, I forgive you. I, I would say uh, this is like to me as a metaphor of there's a wound that we have 
and we want to give space and time for that wound to heal. So what I mean is that somebody's done something that has hurt us. Uh, That could be we discover that uh, one of our children has lied to us. That could be that uh, a family member says something really hurtful. It could be that a a coworker undermines us. It could be that a a neighbor does something obnoxious, right? It could be a teammate, all sorts of things, right? And so so it's sort of like it's it's an open wound there. And to forgive at that stage often simply means I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to try to hurt back how you have hurt me. Or, or it, could, it could mean, you know what, I, I, this is just so sensitive that we, we can't talk about it, we can't go there, I can't even be around you for a little bit. Like I, I just need this to, to calm down. And oftentimes, when we're in this stage of forgiveness, we think we've forgiven the person. We think we've pivoted. We think we've moved on. And then they walk in a room, and our whole back just gets so tight. Like, okay, I guess I didn't quite let go of that one yet. So this is one where we actually may discover we need to forgive seven times 70. As that wound, it just kind of keeps getting clawed at. And we really want to desperately kind of give it space and time to just kind of heal up. If that's the stage of forgiveness you find your, yourself in in life, I, I think at that point, the, the gift we need, the gift we need is really compassion. In the story that Jesus tells, the, the Lord or master has compassion on the servant. And, and compassion in the Bible isn't just an intellectual, it's a whole, it's a sort of a bodily thing where you really begin to empathize with that other person. And you, and you begin to sense what, what they've been through and their pain becomes your pain. In the sense that when, when somebody's wronged us, at some point we, we realize that they were probably reacting to something else. Reacting to something else that happened in their life, in the past, in the present. There was something they weren't told, some insecurity that just is an open wound for them. Again, that their open wounds are causing them to hurt me. And when we have compassion, it doesn't mean that our hurt goes away, but we can put in a better context... What, what they have done, and that can give us the, the patience and the gentleness and the breathing to allow us to let that, that wound start to close. So again, sometimes uh, forgiveness is just letting a wound heal, and in those times, I think we're called and need to pray for compassion, the compassion that Christ has for that person. Sometimes, though, I, I'd like to describe forgiveness as it's a scar that we're aware of. And what I mean is that, like, you get to that point with a person where you actually really have moved on beyond that sort of initial trauma event with them. And you can kind of exist with them. Maybe they're, again, on a sports team with you, and, you know, you find a way to sort of pass the ball to them. And, uh, or you're on, again, a vacation with them, and you just kind of you figure it out, or a coworker, or whatever. You just sort of learn how to live with, live with what's happened. And at that point, you might say, well, I've forgiven them. But then, but then something happens where, see, what, what happened, say, with this person originally was maybe you, you told them something personal, and then they went and they shared that with somebody inappropriately. They, they broke your trust. And now you come to that juncture where you're wondering, hmm, should I share with them this information? And something inside you holds back. And this is that sort of like, I forgive, but I'm not forgetting. 
I'm aware that there's a scar there. That hurt last time. You know, often we've had people who have come back to to St. Paul uh, to come back to church after a time of being away from a church. And they're often wondering, like, okay, I've been burned by the church before. Can I can I be a part of this, this congregation or this fellowship here? All sorts of situations in life. We, we say we've forgiven, and it's, it's, it's not an open wound, but we don't want somebody picking at it, and we don't want to go through that mistake again. And we're like, do, do I let them back in? Do I, do I open my heart again? At that point, I think the Sunday answer is, well, yes, of course. But the Monday answer is it's a little more complicated. And in this story, at one point, the, the Lord... The master says to the person, your, your debts are free. And at another point, he says, you need to go think about it more. You're, you need to think about it and until you can sort of deal with this. And I think at those points in, in life when, when we're wondering, should we let somebody in, I, I think at those points, we, we want to pray for wisdom. We want to pray for wisdom about whether we ourselves and whether they are at a point where we can actually interact with them where we can let them back in at, at that level. Again, there's a, a point when the, the wound is, is fresh. We need compassion to sort of empathize. But then there's another point where the wound has formed a scar, but at that point we still need to pray for wisdom to how much we, we let them in our hearts and in our lives. But I'd like to offer that there is even, I think, a, a deeper and another stage of forgiveness and in, in that stage, I'd, I'd view it more like a muscle that has been torn and grows back stronger, right? When you, when you lift weights or when you exercise, a, a muscle shreds and then it, it grows back stronger. And this, this can happen in a relationship where there is a wrong that has happened, but the, the two people find a way, find a way to open up and they actually have a stronger relationship. The relationship has changed for the better. Two examples. One is, uh, say, a parent and a child. And the child says to the parent, hey, mom or dad, what, what you did there really upset me. They typically say it a little angrier than that. But okay, so, you know, and you say, hey, you know, that wasn't, and this can be to an adult, this can be among a teen, a child, you know, hey, that, that's not cool, that's what you did. And what happens is that at this point, the parent realizes that the previous way they treated the child which they thought was loving and honoring of the child, no longer is received as love and honor by the child. Right? The child's growing up. And now they have to recalibrate. There's going to have to be a heart-to-heart about expectations. And what does it mean for us now to be, a, say, teen and adult, or two adults? Right? How, how is this going to work? And both parties, again, that, that muscle that was strong actually is going to shred, and it's going to have to grow back. And the new relationship now if it works, is going to be stronger than before, but it's going to be changed. It's not going to be what it was. It's going to be a new relationship that's been forged there. Another thing is within a couple, right? Within a couple. Couples can hit a real wall, dry spells, even unfaithfulness, all sorts of challenges, brutal challenges can happen in a relationship. And at some point, the the couple then has to sort of choose, do we exit or do we try to work through this? And often if they're going to work through it, that really means unpacking a whole lot of what's going on in the inside about expectations, about the way they want to be treated, about their hopes and their dreams. And then through that, again, the muscle tears, but it grows back. And then it works, it grows back tighter. The relationship has changed. It's been strengthened. 
a new level of commitment and intimacy is now possible between the two. In, in these cases, well, you know what we, we have to pray for is, is humility. That's the gap here between Sunday and Monday is this need for humility. And here's why. And I'm going to say something that I, I might later regret. But whenever anybody comes to me and they tell me about how bad their family members are, there's a little voice inside of my head, and that little voice says, but what is your role? But if you come to me, I'm not saying that. Okay? But, but other people know that, know that I am. And the thing is, is that because in any family situation, families are complex. And it's a sort of an ongoing process where day by day, we're both sort of stumbling and being gracious. And so when people uh, then, again, come to that situation, the, the realistic truth is that both parties are going to have to change. And in order for us to really move ahead with this person, even if we feel they've wronged us, that we probably are going to have to do our own hard work. The breakdown in this story is that the servant who is forgiven doesn't process how much he's been forgiven. He doesn't realize that the, the Lord and Master has basically taken him in as a family and given him a new identity. He, he doesn't, again, get it all that has been given him. He lacks the humility. And again, in life, if we're really going to engage in deep forgiveness where the muscle is torn and grows back tighter, it's going to require humility. Humility on the other person to admit their wrongs, but humility also on our part to admit how we will have to change in order for this relationship to work together in the future. Mm. I offer this because, again, it's easy for me to get up here and tell you what I proclaim to you every Sunday, which I, I stand on, and that is that Christ has died for your sins and you have been set free. But what I want to get at is that that forgiveness is really like an ocean. It's deep and it's wide. And I want that forgiveness now to be the, the sort of the waters you get to swim in this week. And as you swim, I don't know where you are in your life. Maybe as you hear this sermon, you're like, wow, like, no, I really need to pray for, for compassion for this other person. Or maybe I need to pray for wisdom about letting them back in. Or maybe I need to pray for humility for both of us that we can really do the hard work necessary for a renewed and meaningful relationship. The good news, of course, is that the same Jesus who has demanded that we forgive others is the one that who has first forgiven us and then day after day provides us through prayer the humility, the compassion that we need to forgive our brothers and sisters. Amen.